Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Well, folks, big news. We have, uh, it's the news you've all been waiting for. We have a big new addition to the McElroy family. That's right. Extended family. Yeah. That's right, Justin. We are proud to announce that my parents have inherited a stray dog. Yeah. Inherited. Sorry, I don't know. that was me. I'm not sure if it's way. accurate that they inherited it. That's it's sort no. of it's sort a of, dog wandered onto their porch and now will not leave. Now I think it, it was a little unnerving at first for everybody, um, myself included, because I don't like strange dogs. Well, and it, d- it didn't have a collar, yeah, and so you don't know. Feral, you wolf, know, part wolf. Well, I don't. I mean, why would it be? Maybe why would you assume wolf, it was part wolf? One quarter to one half wolf, possibly. I don't. I don't think it looks. It's very friendly. It's clearly been. Many wolves are friendly. It's clearly been around humans. Initially, I no. I don't think wolves are ever friendly. Are Sometimes they? Sometimes wolves are friendly. I don't look at watch a Game of Thrones for once. I would recommend assuming that wolves are not friendly. <laughs> For everyone in the listening audience. The other worry about stray dogs, of course, rabies. Well, now that is a valid concern. See, every time I see a dog, I just assume rabies until proven innocent. That's probably not a good assumption in this country. Since the vast majority of dogs have been vaccinated. Okay, well, since I clearly don't know anything about rabies, why don't you educate me a little bit, sister? All right, just to to preface, though, I, I don't think that dog has rabies. And I hope we find it a nice home or that my mom convinces my dad to keep it. Well, you're a doctor and not it's a adorable. vet, so if you'll forgive no, me. No, that's fair. But it's a very friendly, pleasant dog. That's fine. Uh, thanks to Greg, who Greg. suggested this topic. And I think there were actually some other people who threw it out there. But Greg, It's hard when you, you do the... it on Twitter, guys, because we forget. So <laughs> just please email. But it was a great idea. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org, by the way. Um. So, first of all, what do you know anything about rabies? No, soon. Okay. Foam, well, foaming at the mouth. You know dogs. Foaming, foaming at, at the, the mouth. mouth. Okay. That's that's about what most people know. So, it's a virus. Right. Uh, and obviously, you can get it through being bitten mm-hmm. by a dog. You know, everybody knows that. That's an I think everybody one. worries about that. It's, it's transmitted through saliva. Um, but you could also get it if, like, I guess spit kind of flew from the dog's mouth into your eyes or mouth or cool cool image i don't know or from another human into your eyes and mouth i guess although that usually doesn't happen that's not a way it's transmitted so you see a human they're foaming at the mouth you wander up there and like hey what's your spittle doing i want to get in range of you (laughs) 
<laughs> Make it in range of you and figure out your sitch. I should clarify. For the most part, humans don't typically foam at the mouth when they get rabies. Oh, really? I, I'm not going to exclude that there wasn't one human who at some point maybe did. But So there's no way of knowing that people have rabies. <laughs> um, no, there are people who have rabies, you can tell. Okay. <clears throat> um, so all other mammals pretty much can get rabies. And sometimes humans get rabies, unfortunately. And if it's untreated, it's, and I think most people know this, it's pretty much fatal. If it's untreated. Um, And it causes, so in humans, you're more likely to start off with like a flu-like kind of symptom. And this can be after, I mean, weeks, months after you get bitten. This can be a long time after you've been exposed. Mm -hmm. You get some symptoms, um, feel like the flu, and then you start getting the dramatic stuff that everybody gets scared of. You know, the you get tremors, you hallucinate, parts of you may become paralyzed. Um, the classic thing everybody remembers is hydrophobia. Have you heard of that? Hydrophobia. I bet no. you could piece that together. A fear of water. There you go. So classically with rabies, uh, people described that the patient would become afraid of water. That's not technically what's happening. You have... Um, either an inability to swallow or it hurts really badly when you swallow just because of muscle spasms. So patients will not want to drink. So they won't like freak out if you bring a super soaker into the room or something. No. <laughs> I mean, typically I don't like it if, if you bring a super soaker in the room. That's true. I'm not allowed to have them in the house, but that's okay. No, they don't make those anymore. You Marriage know? is all about compromise. I wish they still made them. I know. No, but it's just that um, because the patient is maybe hallucinating and a little delirious and then they know that water hurts and so you try to hand them water and they adamantly refuse it and it was seen as a fear of water. That's actually what the Greeks called it when a human would get rabies. They called it hydrophobia. Huh. Um, They called, uh, when a dog had rabies, they called it lissa or lita, which were words meaning madness. Okay. Also named for the Greek goddess of madness, I believe. Which is where the rabies virus is one of the Lissa viruses. That's where that comes from. Huh. Um, but the word rabies comes from the Latin word rabire, which means to rage or rave. It's one of the... Um, I got to compliment you guys on rabies because it's one of the easier like medical names of things. It, it, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to keep track of than a lot of these disease names you guys come up with. That's exactly true, and that's um, why I try to make sure and tell you, you know, the the root origin of these words so that I can butcher some Latin during our podcast. (laughs) I can say rabies easily, so I had to find something that I could probably mispronounce for you. I don't, contrary to popular belief, all doctors don't know Latin. Yeah. No, I didn't take Latin. You know most Latin, I would say. I understand the concept. <laughs> you understand that Latin exists. Between my Catholic upbringing and my exposure to medicine, I get Latin. <laughs> I get it. So, okay, rabies. It's been around for a really long time. Uh, we know that because people have been writing about some sort of illness that caused madness in dogs uh, since 2300 B.C., and, and that was written in Babylonian law that if you own a dog, which I think is kind of interesting. People were owning dogs in 2300. Like, yeah, you kind of just imagine them roaming free. Now, I guess that long ago we were like, hey, look at those furry little wolves. You can stay here, wolf. You Live in my house, wolf. I'll feed you. That People forget that about domestic dogs. At some point in history, that means that there was, there was one guy or lady who was like, hey, wolf. Come live in my house. I like you. I like you, Wolf. I'll feed you. We'll go um, full on 
White Fang here. Journey and <laughs> again. Get in here, Wolf. Live that, in my house. But that was risky because if you had a dog and it bit somebody and that person died, then they were going to find you. Mm, big risk. <laughs> Which actually doesn't seem that bad. No. No. I mean, of all things that could happen. And they, they knew they had laws about this because they knew that sometimes dogs went crazy and bit people and people died, but they really didn't understand what, what any of that meant. They thought it had something to do with the lunar eclipse mm-hmm. and that it caused dogs to go mad. So uh, this continues until like 500 BC when they actually write about the first recorded case of a disease, you know, that is probably rabies. And they thought it had something to do with nerves burning. This was in a human. All their nerves caught on fire and they burned. Huh. Well, maybe, I guess. No. Um, It's possible. You're lacking some of the key components for fire that even I, a modern man uh, that doesn't have to build his own fires, know about. There's heat. There's fuel, there's oxygen. And you, you don't you have got oxygen in, bo- in your body. Oh my God, you're right. Did we you, could be on fire at any moment. <laughs> did you just say we don't have oxygen in our body. Not bodies? air oxygen. Did you think that, not air oxygen? Not what kind gas. of oxygen? Liquid oxygen. It's in your blood and stuff, right? Oh, honey. God, this isn't an act. I wish this was an act. This isn't an act. <laughs> We're gonna have to talk sometime. We'll figure it out. So. Aristotle was the first one in 400 BC to write about uh, the idea that this was something that could be passed from animal to animal, so or from animal to human. That there's something in these dogs. They and again, a lot of this was written about dogs that they would become mad, they'd bite other dogs, and they'd also become mad. So this idea that something is being transmitted is already being written about at this point. Now, of course, we have no idea what a virus is or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the Greeks thought that the best thing to do when there's a disease or something that's plaguing mankind and you don't understand it is probably assign the task to a god or goddess. Mm-hmm. So the Greek god Arisaeus, uh, son of Apollo, got the task of preventing rabies. So if you wanted to not get rabies, pray to him. And if you got rabies, then you switch to Artemis, the Greek goddess Artemis, whose task was to cure it. I wonder if that's a weird discussion with the god. Like, it's got to be some impulse from the god that, like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Why don't you try Dave, the god, next door? I'm really swamped with everything I got. I'm covering travel, crops. My my 2013 PC is like full up. So try, please try Dave the God. He doesn't do anything. He's a god of staleness that keeps your food from getting stale. That's it. That's all Dave does. Please, he's got room in his schedule for rabies. That they really did load down gods with a lot of just give him business. a break. Yeesh. I do like that they divided it out. Like ooh, preventing and curing—that seems like an awful lot. I bet you that's how it. I bet somebody started an email chain or something that was like, "Listen, somebody's got to help me with this because I cannot take this entire burden." The God started an email chain. Yeah, this is gonna mess up my four-hour work week. I can't can't both cure and prevent rabies. And you know, this was way back in the day when email was super slow too. Yeah, right. It would take forever. <laughs> yeah, dial up and everybody Tab- and stone tablets, <laughs> papyrus, uh, p-mail. That's what it was. It was female. Rabies really began to kind of permeate uh, our our ancient cultures as this 
whatever it was, whatever rabies was, because I mean, again, we don't know what it is. It's something that causes dogs and sometimes humans to die. Um, was this scary, mysterious, deadly thing? And that's probably why, if you see on some very ancient maps, on the edge of the map where they don't know where th- you know what's past that, if you see a dog's head, that that's why. That hmm. sometimes you'll see that on a map, and and that dog's head it represents the mysterious, the unknown, the likely dangerous, and it has to do with rabies. Sid, how did you mentioned like ways that you could tell? How how do you know if if a dog or a person has rabies back back in ye olden times? So there were lots of ways, you know, because they knew that some dogs had it, and you didn't know that they had it until they started foaming at the mouth and biting people. So in the sixth century, so what you could try to do is take some crushed nuts. I, I I don't think it matters what kind of nuts, and put them. This is assuming you've gotten bitten. Okay. And put them in the bite wound, and then the, leave them there. Leave them there for a day. Cool. And then take them back out and try to feed them to some sort of fowl. Okay. <laughs> if the fowl will eat them, they are dumb, and you should <laughs> you should sell them. And this chicken's too stupid. Please, someone buy it. I hate this stupid chicken. It ate my blood nuts. <laughs> Ew. It ate my crushed up rabies blood nuts. I hate this chicken. Well, but if it lives, then it you don't have rabies. Or at and, least they thought. And it would limit, I think, the, the sort of gastronomical appeal of eating that fowl in the future. <laughs> oh, no, that's the one with a belly full of rabies blood nuts. I'm going to go ahead and just... That'll be for company. I'll save this chicken. <laughs> That'll be my company chicken. That'll be the company chicken. That'll be my comfort chicken. I'll be, I'll, I'll be having like leaks that night or something. We'll just let the kids play with this one. Yeah, this is the this is the kid's <laughs> pet chicken. Stupid. The chicken. The one that eats bloody rabies nuts. Uh, the other thing you could try to do is take a piece of bread and soak it in the blood from your bite wound and then try to feed that to another dog. Okay. And that's good because it gives dogs a taste for your blood. <laughs> the theory These is are all foolproof. Oh, this is delicious. You mean I can have this flavor whenever I want just by biting human flesh? Cool. Thanks for thanks for making such a cool dog. It's kind of a, it's kind of a two-part test because the theory was that animals were smart enough that if there was rabies in there, they wouldn't eat whatever you were giving them. These are the same animals, by the way, that got the rabies in the first place. And we're, and now they're the soothsayers protecting us from it. Good job, humanity. I really like this one. So you could also try t- uh, picking up a, a rooster, a live rooster, and holding its butt to the bite wound. Okay. And if the rooster swells up and dies, then you have rabies. Okay. No danger of infection there, though, which is good. I don't know what kind of germs live in a rooster butt. Not good ones. Um, or you could always, the dog that bit you, go ahead and cook it, rub its flesh on your teeth, and then offer that to another dog to eat. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess you got your retaliation on the dog. I would think I would probably lean towards some of those other methods of divination. Like, this sounds like somebody who's really, uh, once you need that like third or fourth opinion, uh, maybe just don't do this one. Maybe just accept whatever result you've gotten so far. The the theory nowadays is that if a dog just viciously attacks somebody unprovoked, 
that there is a possibility they might have rabies because most domestic animals don't do that. Um, most, I should say. But uh, back then, I guess, with so many dogs being feral, you wouldn't necessarily know. A dog might just attack you because it was, you know, a wild dog. It was a wolf, actually. Right. <laughs> a wolf in disguise. <laughs> so, obviously, we know how to we know how to diagnose it now. Right. We have a great plan. How do we cure it? So we figure out you've got rabies. Um, some of the cures that you can read about are for dogs, uh, and some of the cures are for humans. So to start off with, for some for just a couple of dog cures, the best cure is prevention, I think. Mm-hmm. So instead of waiting for your dog to get rabies, you could just go ahead and at 40 days of life, cut off their tail. This was supposed to prevent your dog from ever getting rabies. Sure. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not advocating you cutting That's cruel. That's cruel. You could also, they thought that dogs had worms beneath their tongues, which was probably just actually the little piece of connective tissue. Oh, stop it. And they would cut that out too. Oh, stop, stop, I know, it's terrible. And then you could also just feed them juniper berries, which seems nicer to me. Yeah, that's fine. I'm assuming that juniper berries aren't poisonous to dogs. I don't know. Don't try that. Not I have. I'm not a vet. Folks. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, the Greeks and the Romans both had a pretty direct way of preventing rabies, which was that they had a special time of the year when you just killed all the dogs you found. Wow. They thought that it had to do with the appearance of Sirius, the dog star mm-hmm. in the sky, that something about it, you know, once that time of year came around that you could see that that star, that it would trigger rabies outbreaks. So just go ahead and at that time, kill all the dogs you can find. Man, that's short-sighted. Yeah, that's not very nice. It's cruel. No, that's a really terrible thing to do. Don't kill all the dogs. Um, Pliny had a lot of things to say about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's unsurprising. He also thought it may be caused by that that tongue worm, that worm that lives under dogs' tongues. But um, but a lot of his cures, of course, were about humans. So first of all, as we may have mentioned previously in our uh, hangover cure episode, this is where the term hair of the dog comes from. He said that if you take the tail of the dog that bit you burn it you gotta cut you gotta cut it off you gotta burn it and then put the ashes in the wound um then that would cure your rabies so that's where the hair of the dog that bit you that's where that comes from wow a cure for rabies a not cure a supposed cure no yeah alleged cure cure. (laughs) uh you could also if you didn't want to set the dog's tail on fire which i don't you could also try a cloth that's soaked in a female dog's menstrual blood Oh, great. That's easy easy to come by. I think that... I don't know which one's worse. They're both pretty bad. Or you could just find a dead dog and take a maggot from it. And do what with it? Put it in the wound. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. You, you're No, you're going to put this in your wound. You're going to put something in your about. wound, and it's not going to be pleasant, and you're mm-hmm. going to hate it, and you're going to be sad. It's just, what is that thing going to be? Um, You could also... He also thought that maybe you could get it by being exposed to dog urine. Everybody kind of knew about the bite thing, but he also was like, well, you know, pee is pretty gross too, so you may want to stay away from dog pee. So he specifically advised against walking in dog pee. 
especially if you have um like if your feet are all torn up (laughs) if you got cuts on your feet don't walk around in dog pee which i mean i guess that's good advice sure you know if you've got scratched up feet don't walk in dog pee why are you walking barefoot through dog pee? maybe don't ever walk in dog pee if you can avoid that so i'll give plenty that one now i don't you're not gonna get rabies that way but it's pretty gross to walk barefoot in dog pee just as a rule of thumb don't do it if that's a habit you develop in, in trying to avoid rabies like that seems like a good good play yeah i think that's a good idea even if you're even if your feet aren't scratched up i think even if their skin's all intact just go ahead don't do that yeah why not um celsius came up with a cure he said that what you need to do is um clean the wound suck out any saliva that you can find Uh, sucking dog drool out of an open wound and then yes and then cauterizing it burning it you know taking a hot iron and and holding it to it um this was probably the predominant treatment that people turned to for about two thousand years afterwards um there were some other crazy things tried here and there in 200 ad there was a a case report if you like a case report of some boys who were bitten um and they were injected with uh venom from seahorse stomachs i didn't know seahorses had venom this was yeah that's news to me yeah this did not work um and then a lot of new things would pop up with the first huge human outbreak which was in the 1200s and after that you see rabies crop up periodically throughout the centuries um it's not like you know the plague where there was the one big time when everybody got rabies and then that one other big time it just kind of crops up when things get really crowded Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of animals and a lot of people living close together um one popular cure that i guess again was not harmful was that you could um, pray to St. Hubert, who was the patron saint of rabies. Because there's, there's, you know, much like the Greeks had a god for everything, we like to have a saint for everything. So the patron saint of rabies. And you could travel to his shrine in Belgium when you were infected, which does not sound like a fun thing to do when you are suffering from rabies. Yeah. But, but what does? Uh, you could also try the treatment called St. Hubert's Key, which is to take a key... Yeah, I guess you got to get it blessed at the shrine of St. Hubert. And then you get it really hot and you burn yourself with it. Uh. They also tried branding dogs this way to try to prevent them from getting rabies. And then, of course, there were tons of different herbal remedies, you know, that people tried. Every every herb you can think of was mixed into a rabies concoction at some point, either to apply as a poultice or to drink. Mm -hmm. Of course, bloodletting was tried for rabies. It was tried for everything else. And there was even this kind of idea, since we knew that in humans it caused that hydrophobia symptom, that you could try this kind of aversion therapy where you would just hold the person underwater. Oh, God. And and you would do it, the instructions were, until he sputters. Sputters? Until he sputters. And then you can let him back out. That seems a little risky to me, Sid. That seems very risky to me. I mean, he's underwater. How do you know when he's sputtering? What is sputtering? So what's next? Well, Justin, I'm going to take you on our on our rabies tour through history. But before I do, you're going to have to make a pit stop. All right. Let's go to the billing department. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. 
Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. All right, Sydney, I'm ready. So rabies continues to spread. It continues on its march across the world. Uh, it spreads through Europe. It spreads to the Americas. A lot of this is with travel. A lot of this is with with us, not because we're we're bringing rabies, but because you know man's best friend. Right. <laughs> we love our dogs, and we take them everywhere, and we give everybody rabies. Um, there were laws passed many places as rabies uh, became recognized as again something, some sort of strange madness that overtook animals. Uh, that you kill a sick animal right away. That was something that was that was started. Uh, there were even in some places laws against owning dogs at all. Because, you know, you could never be too sure. 
uh, muzzle laws were also enacted in some places. You could have a dog, but you had to keep it muzzled all the time to prevent it from biting people because we didn't know, you know, what was trans... We didn't know what it was, but we knew we were getting it from dogs, so... I guess the theory was we like people better than dogs. Let's just get rid of the dogs. Yeah. Um, there's some interesting things about rabies since it has permeated our culture for such a long time. You know, this fear of rabies and it's a it's a very dramatic illness. Mm-hmm. You know, it does dramatic things <clears throat> to dogs. It does dramatic things to humans. So people like to talk about it and write about it. Um, there are ancient Indian texts that reveal like different recipes for poison arrows with rabies, like rabies arrows. One of them included the um, the blood of a man and a goat, in order to induce what they called biting madness. Hmm. So the thought is that these were probably poison arrows tipped with rabies. Um, and in 1650, there was a Polish general who said, "You know, what would really get our enemies is if we took the saliva of all these mad dogs, put it into glass balls." And then catapulted them at the enemy. Perfect. Why not? <laughs> sure, it's worth a shot. I don't think anybody did that, but it's an interesting concept for biological warfare. As far as I know, rabies has not actually been used as a biological weapon. That's really that's something. Um, it's also permeated popular culture in the form of mythology. Rabies is probably, at least in part, the inspiration for a couple of our uh, big bad movie monsters. Like who? Like werewolves, for instance. Okay, one good thing, Teen Wolf from Rabies. Thank you, Rabies for Teen Wolf. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that Rabies makes you better at basketball. It's impossible to say. I would bet it doesn't. Speaking generally, but the the thought was that when humans got this biting madness, whatever it was, because we still didn't know, uh, and and you know after they were infected with Rabies, that they became more animal like, mm. and so. It was feared that, much like dogs, became mad and bit people, that maybe humans would go crazy and bite people, attack people, hurt people. And so this may be partially the basis for the werewolf myth. And then also vampires. Wow. Um, You kind of see, like, the spread of the vampire myth uh, with the spread of the rabies virus, they kind of follow the same pattern, especially in the 18th century. You see the two kind of travel across the across Europe together, which you know kind of leads us to believe that maybe that was the basis for it. People with rabies tend to not like a lot of intense stimuli when they're in the throes of the actual illness. So things like um, water. Maybe the holy water thing Mm. or bright lights would bother them. Strong smells like maybe garlic. And they also tended to have insomnia, so they would stay up all night. And, of course, there was the whole biting thing. Would I trade true blood for rabies? Would I eradicate rabies from history if it would mean true blood would disappear? I don't know. I can't answer that. I can't answer that question. And there's, there's a lot, of course, that go into these mythologies. And I'm sure there are people who are who have written great tomes on the vampire myth and the werewolf myth. And I'm not proposing that all of it stems from rabies, but it didn't hurt. Fact. Now, eventually, we got smart about rabies. Um, in 1881, Louis Pasteur, that's probably a name you've heard. Yeah, he, uh, pasteurization. Exactly. So he started researching cures for rabies with Emile Roux, and they uh, tried out their first vaccine. They actually created a rabies vaccine, 
on a human that had already been bitten by a rabid dog. And he survived. Wow. And you know what was interesting is they actually did this without isolating the virus. Most of the time now when we make vaccines, and I think we talked about this before, you actually have to have, you know, under the microscope, you have to be looking at like the virus or the bacteria or right. whatever causes it to know what to do with it to make a vaccine. This was just parts of, a, I believe it was part of a dog's spine or, you know, um, spinal cord. Huh. So it was part of the dog's central nervous system that they used to make the vaccine, which made sense because the virus was there. But uh, this was also the first what we would think of as an attenuated vaccine, meaning that it had the virus, but it was in a weakened form. This is a huge deal. This concept of vaccination. Hmm. Not just for rabies, but spread out. So through all vaccine history, this is a really big deal. Um, over time, of course, we refined the vaccine. Uh once we understood what the virus was, we were able to do a better job at creating a better vaccine. And then, you know, the main thing was, why don't we vaccinate all the dogs? That's a fine idea. Which is what we started doing. Huh. Uh, and of course, you know, nowadays, that's why in the United States, you're very unlikely to encounter a rabid dog. Not that it's impossible, but it's, it's highly unlikely. What's interesting about the rabies vaccine is that we tend to think about vaccination as preventative, right? Right. So when should you get vaccinated for rabies? Before you're, you're attacked. Exactly. However, because it takes the virus, I mentioned that it can take months for you know you to actually manifest symptoms because it takes the virus so long to spread to your central nervous system. If you get vaccinated pretty quickly, you're fine. So hmm. you'll actually survive and, and not get rabies. So it's a post-exposure prophylaxis is what we would call it. After you've been exposed to rabies, you can go ahead and get the vaccine and prevent the infection. Hmm. So if you were to get bitten by a dog, you should go check out at your local health department or your family doctor and tell them about it. And of course, as I mentioned nowadays, rabies in dogs is very rare in this country. Um, bats are actually a bigger deal. Hmm. Again, not a huge threat. We don't see a lot of cases of rabies. But if for some reason you find yourself exposed to a bat, that would be another reason to go visit your doctor, your health department, your That's local great because ER. I've been really cool on bats for a while. So now I'm glad I have a reason to finally be afraid of those <laughs> flying mice. Um, you're probably not going to get rabies from a bat. Probably. This is not my, again, don't own bats. Why would you own a bat? Don't, don't own, own a bat. bat. Bats aren't good pets. But if you get exposed to a bat, go see a doctor. Um, before you do that, if you do get bitten by a dog or a bat, you should wash it out right away. That's actually something you should do. Wash it with warm water and soap and then go see a doctor. If you get the vaccine, no big deal. There are protocols for people who don't receive the vaccine in time. But they ain't great. They're not great. We have a couple of successes, but it's rare. I thought so. there was one success ever, you told me. I think there's two now. Two now. Okay, so two not now. great. To no, reiterate. no, not nearly as effective. It's much better to if you're if you think you've been exposed to rabies, go see a doctor. Um, and if you're doing some out of country travel, it's a good it's a good reason to go talk to your doctor about our dogs. They're vaccinated because not all um, places in the world are they on top of their dog vaccination programs as well as we are. So that is rabies, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank 
uh, everybody who's been uh, uh, talking about the show and 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 tw- tweeting about I believe that's the the term tw- tweeting tw- twittering twittering about the the show uh, at uh, Andrew Sutton Leah Stephen Ellis Curtis Morrison uh, Jillian Daniels Amy Eastman Lindsay Astrom uh, Brenna Ariel Claire Naomi thank you so much to everybody uh, who's tweeted about us we're at Sawbones on Twitter so it's pretty easy or you can tweet at us at Justin McElroy and she's at Sydney McElroy S-Y-D-N-E-E we're on the Maximum Fun Network and we've got a ton of other great podcasts for you to listen to just go to MaximumFun.org you'll find Lady to Lady One Bad Mother The Goose Down Jordan Jesse Go Stop Podcasting Yourself My Brother My Brother and Me thank you so much dear and so much more uh, just go uh, go listen to all those. You deserve it. And keep sending us your topic suggestions. Like Justin mentioned, you can email it to us. Uh, we're sawbones at maximumfun.org. It's easy. And um, look for us on Facebook and like us there. I think that's everything. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. And be sure to join us again next Tuesday for another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.